is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And I'm Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 403, recorded Thursday, November the 1st, 2018. It's November the 1st. It's the day after Halloween. I hope everyone had a good Halloween. Yeah, remember, remember the 1st of November? Well, it's the first day, so that kind of works, but not really. It's the 5th of November, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. (laughs) Well, anyways, welcome to the program, everyone. We are here to do our... Listener feedback for the most recent episode of The Walking Dead, which was Season 9, Episode 4. Jason, how are you doing tonight? It's a rainy, cold, miserable night where I am. Yeah, here too. I live pretty close to you weather-wise. I mean, (laughs) we pretty much have the same weather, right? It's pretty close. You're right. Yeah. It's it's a matter of timing. Maybe 20, 25 minutes after you get something, I get it kind of thing. Yeah, and it's been... uh, Yeah, it's rainy, it's crappy, it's cold... Uh, but I'm doing well. I'm good. That's, that's excellent news. Yeah. It's, it's been raining here all day, so I'm not surprised it's raining where you are and the rain I'm getting right now will be falling on you in about 20 minutes. Jeez, I hope not. <laughs> Cause you already got that rain. I'm going to get some different rain. I suppose. Yeah. You know, it's individual raindrops. Right. It would be weird if that rain just continued falling on you somehow. There'd be some sort of time problem going on. Yeah. Some, some temporal issues there. We don't need that. All right, well, the ratings for The Walking Dead, Jason. We have the ratings for episode four of season nine and a slight, a slight increase from last week, which is nice. Last week was 5.04 million. This week is 5.1 million. Oh, so 0.06 million people more. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Come on. It's a good sign. It is good. You know? More people than I know. Yeah. More people than are in my kitchen right now. That's right. By about 5.1 million. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so there you go. So hopefully the trend continues and it, and it goes up. But let's get into our feedback for this episode starting right now. Listener feedback. All right. I just want to start real quick here by saying that we all know Rick is leaving the show. Or I should say Andrew Lincoln is leaving the show. We don't Probably know. both. Prob- frankly. Yeah, Probably. We don't know how, we don't know what, we don't know why, um, but a lot of people really want to talk about that. And I get it. I really do get it, because I kind of want to talk about it too, but I also want to wait until things have played out over the natural course of the season. Um, and not, maybe not the whole season, but until we have been shown the final episode with Andrew Lincoln. So a lot of people wrote in about that. They want to talk about it. They have theories. Other people have what they think is like straight up information. Um, And, you know, I just, I I want to try to go into this as unspoiled as possible for my sake, mostly for your sake, Jason, talking to you. And so, so I just wanted to say I have omitted all of that more or less from this feedback show for now. Um, But, once some day comes in the future where everything has become clear, maybe we can talk about it a little bit more. I'm sure we will, frankly. We won't be talking about theories at that point. We'll be talking about what we actually saw on our TV screen, and we'll just take it from there. So 
I'm saying that because I want to make sure that, number one, nobody's confused as to sort of why we're not bringing it up or bringing it up more. And two, I don't want anyone to be offended that I'm ignoring you or not reading your emails or something like that. It's just that I want to try to stay as unspoiled as possible for now. Okay. Well, that sounds reasonable. I mean, we you're saving all these emails, right, just in case we need to go back to them at oh, some yeah. point? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got... Um, probably hundreds of thousands of emails in the Gmail account from all the years, including all the recent ones. So if we do ever need to go back to them, they will be there. Um, but that's all I'm saying. Please don't feel like we're ignoring you. I just, I'm just trying to, uh, stay unsullied for a little while longer. All right. And then you will be sullied. And then after that, I'll be sullied and everything will be fine. So, yeah. All right. Having said that, let's get into our feedback now. Our first one here is a call from our friend Anwen in New Zealand. Hi, Chris and Jason. Far out. I am loving this season. It is so great. I really, really enjoy this pace and the writing is amazing. The acting's amazing. I think Angela King just rocks. She's totally ironed out all the gimples from this show and I'm loving the show again <laughs> as much as I haven't for a few seasons now. I really liked Rick and Carol's emotional scene. It kind of feels now like everybody knows that Andrew Lincoln's leaving, that all the scenes that he has with people, you know, is it their last big scene together? They were so emotional, it looked like real tears in their eyes, and I just thought that was really cool. I liked the scenes with Daryl uh, in the pit. Of He's getting so many more lines than he's had in the last several seasons, but he's real again. I actually really like it. He's pretty um, articulate, and he's really saying what he's thinking, and he's not just mumbling and moaning, which is great. And that bond between them I thought was great, and I totally bought that whole fight, and they're getting back together as, as bromance um, is really, really cool. I think Negan in the cage, Cage Negan is quite captivating. He's not swaggering and leaning back and saying, Hey, Rick. And it's quite amazing to watch, and it's so so amazing that we can't see much of him, and it's just his voice, and I just think it's really, really cool. And I agree with you, Jason, he is a little bit like Gollum, uh, banging his head on the wall when he can't get his precious. Um, Jason, I think you're awesome, and I love your Lord of the Rings references, but listen please, you wonderful idiot. Um, Bill from Lord of the Rings was not a donkey, he was a pony, so maybe you need to go back and um, check that. Obviously you are quite obsessed with horses, um, this point so just make sure you um go back and read lord of the rings and, and check those facts there anyway thanks guys can't wait to uh hear what you have to say bye thank you and when so is she right was bill a pony not a donkey i don't know it's since i heard the uh the phone call mere seconds ago i haven't had a chance to go back and reread oh. lord of the rings <laughs> Sorry. so I, I assume that she's right and then he was a pony and not a donkey uh but i got the name right Hey, that's pretty impressive. That's something. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> if, nothing. if you're going to trust Lord of the Rings facts to anybody, it's someone from New Zealand. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely someone from New Zealand or um, <laughs> Middle Earth. Steve, Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert is a uh, Tolkien f- freak. He knows everything. I I prefer the term aficionado. Yeah. Okay. Aficionado. All right. And uh, a couple of things that uh, Anwin said uh, that I really enjoyed that uh, they're ironing out, ironing out all the gimples. That's great. It's like uh, I prefer to think of it as they're picking the gimples out one at a time, you know, <laughs> just kind of getting them out of there. Yeah. And uh, she said she's enjoying this season as much as uh, she didn't enjoy the last season, couple of seasons, which I thought was 
a very entertaining word of turn of phrase. Very good, very good. Well, it was just kind of her general thoughts, I think, overall, and I, I agree with everything she said. It's great to have Daryl back and have him saying things and not just grunting lines or hanging around doing dumb stuff in the background. And I think Negan, the treatment of Negan in this season so far has been perfect. Keep him in the dark, keep him locked in a cell, let him talk a little bit, but don't give him a stage to grandstand on. And it's working for me. Yep, absolutely. It's great stuff. And I should know better than uh, actually presenting my thoughts on Lord of the Rings as fact. As uh, no. It's on the internet. <laughs> well, sure. The, if if anyone's going to correct you, it's the internet. But it, yeah, don't worry about it, man. Don't worry about it. I'll. I mean, I'll tell you guys a secret. I've never read Lord of the Rings, so well, you should. I'm not going to be the person to correct you on something like that. But uh, that's why we have listeners. It's true. It's very true. <laughs> All right. Next, we have an email from Alex in Seattle. Alex writes: Season nine, episodes one to three were stellar. But episode four was on a whole different level of great. From the staccato notes of the cold open to the final shot of Rick, who is about to be devoured by hordes of zombies, this one had me on the edge of my couch. Every scene, action, or dialogue was intense. Kudos to the writers for bringing this show to the next level. I hope the rest of the season is just as good. And once again, I'm I'm just glad to hear that people are loving it so much because I am too. I agree. I think the show is better than it's been in a long time. And it's wonderful. Uh, Alex is uh, a great guy. I've met him in real life twice, strangely, in different cities. (laughs) And um, so, you know, uh, I just wanted to throw his general thoughts on the episode in there as well. Um, And uh, edge of his couch. Yeah, you'll you'll uh, you'll buy the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. (laughs) That's right, man. That's right. (laughs) This season, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, Matt in Montreal writes... Did you see Daryl take one bite out of that apple and toss it to the ground as he drove off with Rick? Aren't they supposed to be rationing their food? I guess the rules just don't apply to him. Yeah. Apples. Remember? It's hard to it's hard to say. Well, what do you mean? I He did indeed take a bite of the apple and toss it to the ground. Now, they it's were, one of those things that you can just toss, toss to the ground and it's fine, right? Well, sure. Or it's not like it's littering. Uh, no, no, no. That's not the problem. The problem. Oh, no, the problem is it's food. You know, right? You know, respect food. Eat food. Don't throw it on the ground. Especially when it might be in short supply, right? Well, he does it with every with all his uh, his crossbow bolts as well. He just shoots them and then leaves them. Somebody else will pick it up and bring them to him. So maybe he's expecting someone to save that apple for him <laughs> and give it to him later, or maybe finish it for him. Sure. I guess he's got people for that. His uh, his uh, food cleanup crew. Yeah, I you know I'm I'm thinking more and more. Daryl is pretty much a toddler, <laughs> tossing things, and somebody will, somebody's going to deal with that. I'm not dealing with it. Yeah, I don't want this anymore. Once <laughs> I drop it, it doesn't exist. Yeah, you know I'm eating food here, and uh, I don't want the food anymore. Do I put the food down? No, I dump the bowl on the floor. <laughs> I don't want the food anymore. It goes on the floor. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Anyways, I noticed the scene too. I thought it was weird that actually he hopped on the bike and just threw it away. But what I chalked it up to is they're on a mission. They're in a hurry. They got to get going. And I don't know. It Maybe it's difficult to ride a motorcycle and eat an apple at the same time. So I guess he could have handed it to Rick and said, either here, hold my apple or would you like a snack? But he didn't. He yeah. threw it down because he's Daryl. Well, here's the other thing is that if uh, Daryl didn't ride a motorcycle and he rode a horse like Rick, 
and he didn't want the apple anymore, he could have just given the rest to the horse. That's very true. And the horse would have eaten it. I hear horses love apples. Well, I'm sure they do. Yeah. Well, he could have. And, and you do need to feed your horses, but... Uh, yeah, please. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> the next uh, email is about the apple as well. Yeah, from Mark in the UK. Did you notice the symbolism of Daryl eating the poison apple of betrayal as he took Rick to the magic plot hole? <laughs> Are they about to be banished from paradise they have built like Adam and Eve were in the Bible, or am I reading too much uh, into a guy eating an apple? Well, Mark... We've talked about him dropping the apple on the ground for the last couple of minutes, so no, I don't think you're reading too much into it at all. It may have been a guy just eating an apple, but it's definitely the apple of betrayal because he was leading Rick away to a giant hole. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that they're not in the Garden of Eden. I'm pretty sure not, but, you know, it is just symbolism. It is a really nice camp, though. I pointed that out, and I, I'm really, really impressed with how clean and tidy it is, so... You know, don't throw your apple on the ground, dude. <laughs> Especially with him hanging around, dumping food everywhere. Yeah, he's he's has some uh, minders that are going around picking up after him, I'm sure of it. I guess so. Uh, you know what? He's one of the primaries. He's, he's a leader. He's got people for that. Yeah. Okay, Anna in Wales writes, There are so many more conversations this season. I don't think Michonne has ever talked that much in an episode. It was weird to hear her voice so clearly because previously, like Daryl, she mostly just muttered a couple of words here and there. I hope the wordiness continues this season. It works so well for character development. Negan, however, can shut right up forever. Yep, talking good. Bit of a double standard there. That's okay. It depends. <laughs> Some people I like to hear talk. Other people just need to shut up. That's very, very true. But, you know, to Anna's point here... I have noticed the same things. We have all these great conversations happening, important conversations, you know, realistic sounding conversations and really nice dialogue moments in the first four episodes. And, you know, I, I would sort of, if someone had said to me going into season nine, it's going to be way more wordier than the show has been in a while. We're going to have lots of people standing around talking I'm not sure I would have been excited about that because my first thought might have been, well, is that going to be at the expense of other good stuff in the episode, like set pieces or big zombie action or, you know, just exciting stuff? Um, and I might have been worried. But now that we have it, I feel like we are getting all this great dialogue, but it's not at the expense of anything good because everything else has been great, too. So um, it's it seems like it's the perfect balance. Well, you can rest assured that if we did know that it was going to be a little more wordy, and if you did, if you were concerned about it, and you expressed those concerns about it on this show, I would have talked you out of it. Well, that's good. Because uh, I think that more talking is good talking. I like shows that are talky. I like uh, I like shows that uh, have a lot of dialogue more than I like shows that have, uh, you know, action set pieces all the time. Sure. Right, right. Uh, so I would have I would have been excited about that from the get go, and I'm happy with this, and I'm uh, I'm very happy with this. I think that uh, you can have lots of good dialogue that is inter interspersed with uh, good action mm -hmm. uh, and uh, dramatic action, and mm -hmm. uh, have it be most excellent. Yeah. Now the other thing too, I, I was thinking about. I, I was listening to another podcast about the show. Uh, the other week, and one of the guys on that show said that maybe 
The Walking Dead could benefit from actually having less sort of big action set pieces instead of trying to do one every episode. Uh, do one every two or three or four episodes and then make them really special. Um, this was on uh, the Walking Dead cast and Jason over there had our friend Aaron from Bald Move on as a guest host and Aaron was saying this and I kind of thought he might be onto something there instead of having, you know, trying to stuff in a zombie action set piece every episode or even more than one per episode, make them a little more scarce and make them better and kind of leave the people wanting more to a certain degree. So I'm not sure it wouldn't, it would be a terrible idea to scale it down a little bit. That being said, again, I just want to reiterate, I think they're doing a great job this season and it's balanced out really well. Yeah. You can't, uh, it like my first racist drum teacher said, if you accent everything, you accent nothing. <laughs> you know, yeah, of course. You've brought that up before. I didn't know it was a racist drum teacher, though. Yeah, I've been thinking about it over the years, and uh, he's a racist. You didn't realize it at the time, but now. No, I didn't realize it. I thought some of his comments were um, discolorful, uncolorful, just kind of discerning, this disconcerting a little bit. But yep. uh, over the years, I've realized he's an out and racist oh that's unfortunate but you know a hell of a drummer a good teacher at least he only taught you drumming and not racism uh that's true not that he didn't try (laughs) sure but (laughs) you weren't willing to learn so that's that's good (laughs) he's probably dead like there's he was old way back in the 80s so uh there's a real good chance he's dead all right excellent i guess (laughs) (laughs) all right next we have an email from cindy in columbus ohio michonne referred to judith as her daughter But when Rick goes, there truly will be no one left of her family, and she'll have no memories of Rick or Carol because she's too young. That's very sad. Rick or Carl? Carl. I mean, do you want to have any memories of Carol? Oh, no, maybe Carol's still... Carl. Yes, Carl. And Lori. (laughs) Don't forget Lori. Uh, Yes, of course. We remember Lori. She won't. She Well, she probably doesn't because, you know, birth, death, mom died during childbirth or shortly thereafter. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, she won't... The point is she won't remember any of her her family. And that is kind of sad. I mean, it's, it's something I've kind of realized a long time ago on the show, uh, or at least when Carl died, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a real bummer. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of a downer, but it's nice. Let's hope Michonne lasts for a long time. Michonne has essentially adopted those children as her own and that's nice. So at least that's something we can be happy about. And, uh, yeah, and don't forget, she has the the handprint of her and her brother on the on the wall now, so that at least has will have a happy memory for her. No, you're absolutely right. That's good. I like that. That makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rob in Chicago, can't wait to hear your thoughts on Rick. I can't believe out of all the scenarios Rick and the gang have escaped, falling off a horse is going to do him in. Yep. Falling off a horse is pretty serious. It, it Generally is. speaking, I don't think that uh, I don't think that's a lighthearted thing. But you know, falling off a horse onto rebar and getting stabbed uh, is that much worse. You know, I have never fallen off a horse. Uh, my daughter had her foot stepped on by a horse once, and she said that hurt very much. She cried. Yeah, horses are no heavy. Kidding. Horses are heavy. Apparently, um, I've never fallen off a horse though. But I imagine it would not be very fun, even if you didn't land on a concrete block with rebar through your stomach. I don't think it would feel very nice landing on the ground. 
Yeah, if you want the experience, climb onto the top of your car and fall off onto your back. Ooh, yeah, that doesn't sound nice at all. <laughs> yeah. um, in I fell down in my hockey game on Monday night, and I think I landed on my fist or something like that right on my ribs, and so now my ribs are sore, and that was bad enough. I can't even imagine. And that was like from ground level falling. If I fell off a horse and did that, it would be much well, worse. Well, you know, a couple inches higher. You were on skates, I assume. Uh, yeah, I was I was on skates. Okay. So that makes a difference. I, I guess so. I mean, I you know, my ribs are still sore, so something's yep. wrong in there. And your hand was in those gloves. Those gloves are pretty bulky and uh, stiff, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just saying, like, falling down then was enough. If I fell down from six feet up because I was on a horse or whatever, I mean, it would be much worse. So, uh, yeah. you know, falling off a horse, uh, it's... <laughs> It's not the, uh, you know, it's not so too surprising that he's, that he's not in great shape. Yeah. Well, just, uh, you know, yeah, falling onto the rebar. Okay. When I first saw the horse kind of getting antsy, uh, I noticed that he was on very soft sand. The horse was like going around very soft sands. Right. So I knew that either the horse was going to fall down or, uh, Rick was going to fall off the horse. Mm-hmm. I knew right at that moment that, uh, some kind of fallage was going to happen. Right. Because they always, they have those, you know, it all fluffed up and stuff so that the uh, the stunt person or, and or the stunt horse don't hurt themselves when they fall over. No, you don't want that to happen, especially the yeah. horse. Especially the horse, yeah. All right, next we have an email from Dan in Durant, Iowa. Sharpest rebar known to man. The true worst case scenario of falling from a horse onto that rebar is a really bad bruise. Or are bodies as soft as heads in this universe? I don't know about this. I think if I fell down onto some rebar, there's a good chance it would puncture me. Okay, so the rebar is what? Uh, I don't even know. Uh, a half an inch, three quarters of an inch in diameter, maybe an inch? No, not can't be an inch. No, I don't even think it's a half an inch. It might be like a third that, of an gotta inch. That's got to be punctury. I mean, I think so. It's hard metal, like, and it's small. It's not like it's just going to make a bruise. It's going to break the skin if you land on it from that height. Would it go right through your kidney and all your skin and stuff, or would you just, like, stab you a little bit and then you fall off to the side? Oh, I think it, I don't know. People have fallen onto rebar. If anybody has fallen onto rebar is within the sound of my voice, email us and let us know what uh, falling onto rebar is like. So listen, this summer... I was alone here at my house while the girls were away uh, for a little while, and I was working in my backyard. And what I was doing is I was ripping out an old, like, climbing swing set that we had back there for them. And when I put it in all those years ago, I built a, a frame of wood around the around it, basically, and then filled it in with um, uh, cedar chips, so sort of a softer... Right. Um, platform or ground covering for them to play on. And that was all going. And anyways, I built that frame with four by four wood and I staked it into the ground with rebar. Right. So it wouldn't move. So I was pulling it all out and a lot of the rebar would come out of the dirt, but was still stuck in the wood. And I was just chucking it aside and going to clean it up later. So then I'm walking around and I have a tendency to uh, twist my ankle because I have a bad ankle and I wasn't wearing my ankle brace like an idiot. And so I'm walking along and my ankle goes and I fall down right next to my pile of wood with a rebar sticking out of it. Some of it pointing straight up in the air. Right. And 
that was a wake-up call because I felt to myself, holy shit, I almost fell down onto what is essentially a spike sticking up into the air and like nobody's around. So if I'd impaled myself, I probably just would have died stuck to that rebar. And my assumption is it would have punctured me and I would have been in rough shape. So that's my story about almost killing myself the way Rick um, is seems to be killing himself here or dying here. But uh, so so I think rebar would do pretty more damage than a really bad bruise is all I'm saying. I, I kind of agree. So what I think we need here is a Mythbusters episode. Uh, dedicated or not dedicated, but at least a segment dedicated to uh-huh. this. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, they, those guys hate each other and they don't, uh, the show's not on the air anymore, but oh, whatever. That's sad. <laughs> well, they never really liked each other. They were never friends. They were more colleagues that uh, tolerated each other because of the show. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, when Rosita shot the bullet at the baseball bat at Lucille, uh-huh. Yeah, we did have a listener go out and get his gun and set up a baseball bat and shoot the baseball bat to see what kind of damage it would do to it. Yep. So, you know, if uh, if you're out there and you want to do any rebar body testing, don't impale yourself, don't impale any other human beings, but maybe like get a dummy that approximates uh, a yeah, human inanimate body. object. Don't do this on a pig or anything like that. No, 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 no. No humans, nothing, no animals, anything like that. Inanimate object that approximates a human body. I want to see yeah. if the rebar will puncture the human body. Yeah. There's maybe a-, a cadaver of somebody that it, uh, de- uh, you know, donated their body to science. I mean, if you have access to one, I guess, but don't go out of your way. That That's science. Yeah. You know, as long as you write it down, it's science. <laughs> it's science. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> write down the results, you're fine. I suppose. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious. And, you know, this is the Talking Dead Research and Development Department or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, to answer your other question, Dan, yeah, absolutely. People are soft. Everything is soft. Uh, you know, you can chop off an arm or a leg with one swipe of an axe, uh, if you have to, uh, uh, you know, your heads are soft, your everything's, everything's squishy, Mm -hmm. but heals fast. I mean, this universe is, uh, you know, good that way that sure everything can be easily damaged, but the rate of healing is phenomenal. Right. So it, it, it kind of makes up for it. It's slightly, you know, it's just a, it's a universe that's about three steps left of our universe. Mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it has a different set of evolutionary standards and, uh, it's, things are soft, but they heal quickly. So yes, he fell on the rebar. Maybe he's a little bit soft. So it went through and, uh, then when he gets pulled off of there, uh, he'll be fine. Yeah. I I figure, I mean, he's good for another eight, nine episodes at least, right? Yeah. He's going to, he's going to be fine right up to. His death. Right up to the point that he's not anymore. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be fine until he's not anymore. Okay. That's uh, that's that's what I'm banking on. Yeah, that's basically all you can ask for. Uh-huh. Okay, our next email is Alan on the internet, and Alan writes, I noticed Rick is laying on the rebar rock just like the walker who fell from the rafters in the season opener. Is there a phrase for foreshadowing that you can only see in hindsight, forelighting, or aftershadowing? I think foreshadowing you only do see in in hindsight generally. Not necessarily. So, no. Not necessarily. You see sometimes you see foreshadowing beforehand. I guess, but isn't the point that when when you're shown something, you might not quite understand it until 
it pays off before, and then you're like, oh yeah, that was foreshadowing. So I think the word he's looking for is... No, but it doesn't make it not foreshadowing. If you see it and you go, oh, that's foreshadowing, that doesn't mean that it's not foreshadowing. It just means that you saw it. I know that. I know that. But I'm saying you don't need... And this is ridiculous. I'm saying, but I'm saying you don't need a word for something you only realize in hindsight because that's still foreshadowing. That's kind of the idea. Right. It's also real life. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I shouldn't have done what I did last night. Yeah, fair enough. I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but to the point, uh, I went back and checked that scene. He's talking about in the museum when the zombie comes falling down two stories or three stories. Yeah. That zombie lands on a concrete block on its back with rebar poking through it. So. Huh. Wonder Def- if he was thrown from a horse out there. Maybe he fell off a horse that high, yeah. But definitely reminiscent of what we got with Rick at the end of this episode. So that's cool. There you go. That's cool. Next, we have an email from Jennifer in Minneapolis. 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 Yes. <laughs> Minneapolis. How much more impactful would this entire episode have been if we didn't know about Andy Lincoln's departure? All the goodbyes to characters like Carol, Eugene, and Daryl seem so obvious because we know the end is coming. It really sucks that someone had to ruin it for everybody by leaking the information, and it makes me sad. I agree with that. I wish it hadn't been leaked, but I am not convinced that it wasn't going to be used as a marketing tool regardless. Right. I, I, I hope... Or in, you know, my heart of hearts, I would like to believe that AMC would never have let this get out. It, you know, if they could have somehow kept the secret, they would have. And it just wouldn't have been a thing going into season nine. And we'd all be watching it now going, man, this is amazing. This season is great. Uh, I can't wait to, you know, have the show and Rick and everybody on for season 10, 11 and 12. And then, you know, something happens and he's gone. But the fact is it did leak or they've decided to do it on purpose to try and entice viewership. And I'm not totally, uh, I, I think that's a pretty good possibility to be honest with you, that that's what they're doing. Uh, it very well could be. I mean, marketing departments are, uh, can be shitheads. Like they've put, uh, you know, twist ending spoilers on movie posters in the past. They've put spoilers in movie trailers. Oh, that happens put, all the time. Yes, and, and it drives it. me crazy. Like, uh, and they put the the best jokes of a comedy in the trailer, and the rest of the movie is just filler for the jokes you've already seen. Mm. And that that's also crappy. So, marketing departments of movies and television have done some pretty stupid things, uh, screwing up people's enjoyment of viewing. So, I wouldn't put it past them to have done this on purpose. Uh, I wouldn't have put it past them to take advantage of m- what might have been a minor leak that nobody cared about. Uh, and then they just kind of, you know, dove in there and made the leak wider mm-hmm. in order to uh, uh, to get on board with this. Yeah, they just got their hand right in there and grabbed those sides and pulled it apart until it was it was a rushing, gushing river of water, not just a leak. Yeah, absolutely. That's how I eat chicken. <laughs> what? You didn't just get in there and you rip the whole thing apart so it's just uh, more delicious chicken. You know how apples taste better when you cut them with a knife? Well, yeah. You know that, right? I mean, I don't know if they taste better, but I I prefer to eat them that way. Yeah, that's because they taste better. Okay, It's like drinking Coke. Coke tastes better when you buy it in the smallest container possible. 
Would you buy the big two or three liter bottles of Coke? It tastes okay. But if you buy the little cans, it tastes better. I don't know why. Well, it's just the way things are. It's because Coke tastes better out of a can than out of a plastic bottle, in my opinion. No, but little tiny bottles taste better than big bottles. Cans. No, no. The little tiny bottles taste the same as a normal size can. Can, not bottles. Coke tastes, (laughs) take. Coke tastes better when you buy it in small quantities. Apples taste better when you eat them with a knife. Okay. And chicken tastes better when you rip it apart with your hands. Okay, fine. I'll uh, I'll I, I'll try that next time. Yeah, and don't I'll... tell anybody. Just do it. Just do like, it. Like, don't, yeah. don't go in there and say, I'm going to do this because it tastes better. Just, like, you know, sit down in the nice chicken dinner with your family or friends or, you know, at a banquet or what have you. Just rip into that thing. You know, tear it apart. Sure. Next bank, delicious. Next banquet. That's why, that's go why everybody goes to medieval times all the time because they don't give you silverware and you got to eat your chicken with your hands. Wait, is that, a, is that true? Well, they, that's what they do. Yeah. At medieval times, because I think my office is going there this, this, uh, fall. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're all set then. They, yeah. They don't, I think they probably would give you silverware if you made a fuss, but I'm pretty sure that they don't. Interesting. Exciting. I've never been. I'm excited to go to medieval times. Yeah, I would be too. Let me know how it is. I will. Uh, all right, next up, we've got a call from Becky in Lisburn, Northern Ireland. Hey, guys, I'm just listening to your podcast. Um, I'm just just starting, and it's at the part where we're talking about the zombie that's hanging whilst Michonne is out um, killing some zombies. Um, basically, what my thoughts on it were were completely different from your guys. I actually thought the zombie looked quite fresh, um, so that it had been someone that's newly being killed um and my guess is maybe that it's the saviors um and maybe that michonne sort of knows that so saviors have been sent off on their own and sort of this is what's going on now this is sort of what their world is becoming thanks bye thank you becky first of all your accent oh my god i love it and uh second of all yeah the saviors are a common sort of idea here why don't you read the next one quick here jason and we'll talk about it all at once all right, this is from Spender in Scotland. The hanging zombie's hands were tied, which makes me think this is an execution. At first, I thought it was a savior. However, with the Lucille copy being nearby, I thought it was retribution by the saviors. Right, so Spender is saying at first he thought it was a savior hanging up there. Right. Um, but then uh, he changed his mind to think this was the saviors who did this, who hung somebody to sort of make a point. And I think that's what Becky in Ireland was saying as well, that the saviors are doing stuff to, almost like scare tactics, although that's pretty extreme for a scare tactic, but they're hanging people because we speculated that it was a suicide maybe, but the guy's hands were tied, which you wouldn't think would be a suicide. Oh, it's very difficult to tie your own hands when you're going to commit suicide. Right. It, or, I agree with that. That we should have picked up on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think without any other obvious explanation, that's probably a pretty good one that the saviors are involved here. Well, maybe this is also why uh, Michonne was horrified by the bat being present. Because if she knows this is the saviors, it's the saviors plus bat equals even worse than saviors without bat. Mm-hmm. Because that means that they're uh, they're really backsliding to... Uh, to wanting Negan around. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. You couple it with the bat, and 
it's just it's just they're taking so many steps backwards all at once, right? Yeah. And maybe yeah, maybe it's not a, maybe she doesn't have a thing with bats. Remember we complained about I complained that she read the book knowing full well that it had a bat in it, but maybe she read the book like 50 times already and didn't give a shit about the bat, but seeing the bat in the book that time reminded her of the bat she just saw and about the situation with the saviors that she now probably thinks that she has to deal with compounded with the fact that she she's been talking to Negan and his entire point was to try and get that bat back so the bat's come up a lot lately and now there's okay. a dude hanging from a tree at night and she, it, honestly her distraction with it nearly got her killed too so you can see why she's suddenly traumatized by all things baseball yeah she's probably having stress dreams about this she can't sleep and then she, when she does fall asleep uh, she, you know she's standing up in front of the class and she forgot to you know wear her clothes that day and she has a bat that's covered in uh, barbed wire and gore you know yeah. and she just feels completely unprepared for the test that she has to take sounds very very frightening <laughs> yeah uh all right let's do a call here from Ken on the same topic and I apologize, the audio is a little clippy here, but it's not Ken's fault. It's sometimes the stupid thing on the on the website just distorts it a little bit. So hopefully it's not too bad, but here's Ken's call. Yes, Chris and Jason, this is Ken from Lexington, Kentucky. I just want to call back and rephrase what I said earlier uh, in a more coherent structure. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, Michonne and the hanging incident and the obliged. Um, I listen to you and and uh, several podcasts, and I think you guys are all missing the point of the Michonne hanging scene. And that scene, it clearly shows a black man being strung up. And, of course, this harkens to the days of black men being lynched. I know it says a dark uh, episode in the U United States history. And Michonne was recalling, even though she didn't live back in those times, but of course she was familiar with it, read it. And, uh, you know, of all the dangers that one is facing in the zombie apocalypse, you know, racism is something that shouldn't be rearing its head. It should be everybody as one surviving. And when she saw that man strung up like that and hung, it just brought back a lot of the history of this country. And you could see it in her face of disgust, anger, bewilderment. And that's what caught her off guard with that zombie sneaking up on her. Because normally, you know, she doesn't get surprised like that. So I just want to bring it to your attention. And, you know, a lot of the podcasts didn't catch that. So. I just want to add my two cents. Um, otherwise, you know, you guys do a great job. I continue listening. And, of course, my invitation is still on the table. If you all ever visit Lexington, i like to chew the fat with you all. All right. Thank you. Bye. Wonderful. Thank you, Ken, for that take on, on that scene. I mean, it's, it's not something that had occurred to me at the time, but uh, completely yeah. interesting read on it. And, um I also want to say that, uh, you know, <laughs> I feel like racism shouldn't be tolerated zombie apocalypse or otherwise, but I know that's Absolutely. not, I know that's not what Ken, what, what Ken was saying, but, uh, I thought it was, yeah. uh, I thought it jumped out anyways. 
anything, any other thoughts on that, Jason? It's just another layer to that scene, I think. It is a good, it's, it is another layer, and uh, I hadn't considered it, but uh, it's a very good point. Yeah. And it, it, it may, might have been intentional, might not have been intentional, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's disturbing either way. Uh, disturbing either way, for sure. And, you know, the show has kind of dealt with, with racist uh, racism in the past. Not for a while, though, right? Back with Merle, for example. Uh, he was not the most friendly character in that regard. So um, it's something they've sort of dealt with before. Uh, this was just much more subtle. I think, but no less impactful, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right, next we have uh, Jill from Chicago. Jill writes, I think they are setting up Michonne to take over Rick's place and that the hanging zombie scene was meant to show Michonne demonstrating her alignment with his ideals. The hanging walker stops Michonne in her tracks because it flashes her back to hanging Gregory, which she did not agree with. This puts her in direct opposition to Maggie. Then we see her struggle to pick up a bat to defend herself, and she looks at it in horror as she does not want to become Negan. With Rick's demise imminent, I think they're showing that Michonne is completely uh, is a completely different type of ruler than Maggie and Negan, and there and is therefore going to pick up the slack where Rick when Rick is gone. Yeah, so this is much more within the sort of text of of the episode and the season um, that. I guess we don't know if Rick's going to die, but we know he's on his way out. And, you know, we honestly, we know that Maggie is not in very many episodes this season either. And she's already been in the first four. So whatever that magic number is, we might be getting close to that as well. And um, like Jill says here, we have, we have um, this scene kind of solidifying the fact that or reminding us that she doesn't agree with Maggie. The whole episode was her, sort of fighting against becoming like Negan. So she's on the Rick train and she might be the only one on that train soon, uh, or at least step into the engineer's position of that train. <laughs> once she's Rick, riding the Rick train. Once Rick is gone, yeah, she sure is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's good. So, so much more came out of that scene than I ever imagined. I was just sitting there going, what's the deal with that guy? And look how smart everyone is. They, they all Absolutely. have all this brilliant information about it. So wonderful. Excellent job, everybody. Yes, I agree. <laughs> uh, we're too stupid to have the full picture without full listeners. Well, that's one of the reasons we do this. I mean, I think everybody gets more out of the show when we can sit down and chat about it and analyze it and stuff like that. Okay, uh, next up, we've got Chris in the UK, and Chris writes, Are people stupid? Yes. Have you not met people? <laughs> <laughs> it always makes me laugh when people criticize drama by saying that it is unrealistic because characters made stupid decisions. Real people, even slash especially people who in general are not stupid, do stupid things all the time. It's similar to the experienced people don't make that mistake myth. We do learn and improve from experience, but we also sometimes get complacent and sloppy. To be fair, I think that a lot of the time in this show, and probably others, what gets dismissed as stupid decisions actually come from a different flaw. I'd say arrogance is a common one. In this episode, the saviors don't bother to attack at night because they don't think they need to. Carol is just a weak woman who can be easily taken down. Yes, we know how wrong that assumption is, but it's plausible that they don't. 
Negan's dumb decision to fight Simon last season came from a similar place. It never really occurs to him that he could lose, which he didn't in that case. Uh, and that's where that that's it. So, you know, all that to say that them not attacking at night, uh, the saviors not attacking the camp at night is just because they didn't really consider the idea. And that's perfectly a perfectly human thing to do. Yes. It's also stupid, but it's perfectly human. <laughs> it is. Um, you know, it's, and this got me thinking a little bit that one of the common criticisms of the walking dead is that people is, is that it didn't feel realistic because people continually made dumb decisions and there's no way these people would survive or things like that. And that's fine. I guess that's okay. But I, I don't think that it is always a valid or even often a valid criticism of a show like this or any show to say that, you know, I stopped watching it because they were making all these stupid decisions. It feels a little bit like a lazy criticism to me the more I think about it. Yeah. I mean, they are dumb decisions, like no doubt about that, but I'm sure the people make dumb decisions all the time. Right. But the that criticism is usually based on the concept that look at all the characters in their show. They're so dumb. If that was me, I'd be way smarter. Oh, that's Monday morning quarterback kind of thing though, right? Right. It's, uh, you know, after the fact, uh, you know, if you were somebody uh, on the ground making a judgment call, that's one thing. But the next day going, yeah, that was a shitty call. Uh, sure, it's easy to make that uh, that you know that judgment when you're not in that stressful situation, and uh, the next day when you know the results of that decision. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, and I'm guilty of that too. I guess Monday morning quarterbacking, they went and attacked during the day, and I'd say that's dumb. They shouldn't have done that. Of course, they shouldn't have done that, but that's in the you know in hindsight. Sure, well, but you know if I was there. Could I have foreseen that uh, you don't fuck with Carol face to face? Maybe. Well, right. All I'm saying but is, then again, uh, the saviors don't know Carol's entire backstory. They probably don't know about Terminus. They don't know about look at the flowers. They don't know about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just see uh, Carol as this uh, weird persona that she kind of uh, portrayed for a while, and then uh, she's just like this lady. You know, everybody respects her for some reason, and. Uh, she expects us to respect her too. No, you, you don't fuck with Carol. No, like not face to face. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna, you just, you, you know, you go around behind her back while she's asleep, and then maybe you might have a chance, but don't get within arm's reach with her, reach of her, because she's got a knife up her sleeve. Of course, of course, yeah. And I don't bring this up or or agree so heartily with Chris to try to say that you know we shouldn't point these things out. Uh, or people you should, or people in general shouldn't point these things out because we totally can. We can say that was a, a terrible decision. It was a wrong decision. Like they should have known better. Um, but I'm I'm no longer going to put up with the idea that the show is bad because of things like this all the time, right. necessarily right. because it clearly isn't. And you there are a lot of factors to consider right and i've i know people i've met many people in real life that have that have said i watched the first two seasons of of this show and then quit because it seemed like the characters were so stupid everything they did was wrong and i'm like it's a zombie apocalypse dude and 
you know, good luck if if you're ever stuck in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, you can't. Not everybody can be Jack Bauer in these situations. No, not everyone is Chuck Norris. Oh well, God, no. Right? Yeah, barely Chuck Norris is Chuck Norris. <laughs> exactly. Just so, barely. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, I mean, I thank you, Chris, for writing that in. Uh, it's it's it was eye opening, and it put into words something that I'd kind of always felt, but never really had expressed. So excellent job. Yeah. You know, Chuck Norris was born the next day the Nazis surrendered. Coincidence? I don't think so. Is that true? I think, I no, I don't think it's true, but it's still funny. Yeah, it's definitely funny. All right. It'd be amazing <laughs> if it was true. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next, we have an email from Franco, a Filipino working in Saudi Arabia. Uh, to clear one of your questions... Uh, to, uh, to clear one of your questions about this episode, the saviors knew about the killings because of what Jed said to Carol. Uh, I took a scenic route, but I figured it out. Oceanside is killing us. Yeah, I know he said that. Uh, and this was, we were wondering how sort of everyone knew that the Oceansiders were killing saviors. And I just don't feel like that's enough information. I took a scenic route, but I figured it out. Oceanside is killing us. He's just saying it took me a while but I figured it out. And I guess, I guess that's valid. He just put two and two together somehow and came up with Oceanside is killing us. But I think just a little bit more in the episode to give us an idea of how he came to that conclusion would have helped. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I, you know, not, I figured it out. That's still a gloss over. That's still a yada, yada, yada. Absolutely. Exactly. There's just not quite enough there. But, you know, it would have been probably even worse if they hadn't included that line. At least they're acknowledging the fact that, you know, somehow he figured it out. We just don't know how. Right. Okay. Um, back to Chris in the UK. It is indeed the same Chris. Chris tends to write in long, multi-pointed emails. And I usually pull out sort of one point uh, when I need to. In this case, I wanted to read this one as well. So um, congratulations, Chris. You've got two mentions on the show. Uh, nice. Not even back to back. So Chris in the UK writes, The Magic Hole. Entirely fair points, although we have come across equally well-dug holes that various people have used to trap walkers. The governor had his screamer pits, and Martinez had trenches at his camp later on. But ultimately, I found that I thought, huh, I wonder why that's there. And then the scenes with Daryl and Rick in the hole were so good, I found I just didn't really care. I like what they did with the hole, so I don't need to know how it got there. How do you feel about that assessment of, of the hole? Can you let go? Well, they, need to, they need to explain the hole. They, they can't just have this magic plot hole show up and then never be mentioned again. Well, so you can't let it go... Just I can't let it go. They got to explain the hole. Like they can't not explain the hole. Like why is there a hole there? Did Daryl dig the hole? Daryl didn't dig the hole. That's a pretty fancy hole for just. I, I don't know. Could, could it? There, there's probably other ways to get Daryl and Rick into a situation where they have to deal with a bunch of zombies, mm -hmm. uh, other than putting them in a hole that doesn't have any, any explanation whatsoever. Could it just be a sinkhole, and leave it at that? Uh, yes, it could be a sinkhole, but but. There'd be water in it, right? Well, there it could be an old sinkhole, maybe. Uh -huh. But sinkholes, you know, have very specific conditions under which they're they're made, and the top part of a sinkhole has to be. Uh, I, I'm not even going to get into it because I'm going to be wrong. I don't think it's a sinkhole. 
because it had a really flat bottom and had really straight up straight sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I guess, and I understand your frustration with uh, not knowing about the hole or not knowing where it came from or how it got there. Uh, but this Chris's point relates a little bit to what I was trying to say in our last episode in that about the Rick and Daryl fist fight or slap fight, as you called it, you know, I didn't love it, but where it led and the way it resolved and sort of what it gave us in the episode made me feel fine about it. And I, I no longer worried. So I think I can apply the same thing to the whole, the whole, the, the entire scene wa- ended up so well that I can move on from the whole, but I understand right. if, if some people can't. What if they were riding down the road and they were beamed up into a spaceship and put in a prison cell where they had to fight their way out and eventually j- did and ended up back on the road and they just moved on and didn't explain the alien ship? Uh, that would be weird. That would be, it would be weird, extremely wouldn't Extremely frustrating. That's how I feel about this hole. Okay. <laughs> it's just, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It's got to mean something. It's got to. It's got to be something. It's got to. It can't just be this random hole that they fall into. It's like, ah, oh, there's a hole there. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. If it was, you remember when they uh, back a couple seasons ago when they crossed that river with the uh, the radiation barrels in it? Yes, I do. Yeah, they didn't explain that. Like, why is there ra- you know toxic waste in this creek? That's right. Where did it come from? Who put it there? I, I didn't forget that. They got to explain that. There's a list. I got a list. This hole goes on my list. Oh, the list of unexplained phenomenon on The Walking Dead. Yeah, what the hell? Mm-hmm. All right, we have an email from, uh, it looks like Mark in New York City. If the magic sinkhole, oh, good, we're back in the sinkhole. If the magic sinkhole that Rick and Daryl rolled into was close to their camp, enough to hear the gunshots clearly, how short was the motorcycle ride that Daryl took Rick on? Less than a minute, I would say, right? I mean, they weren't walking away from the camp. They were on a motorcycle moving at a rapid pace to stop Maggie, Maggie, supposedly. And after several minutes, Rick noticed they passed a turn off for Alexandria. But they were still close enough to clearly hear gunshots while being in a deep hole. Hmm. It's it's interesting. Um, it, it I would have assumed that they were riding the motorcycle for several minutes. Uh, but you're right. They were still pretty close to the camp. And they heard those gunshots very clearly. I know the sound of gunshots uh, probably travels pretty far, especially in an environment where there's no other noise pollution, right? Well, there's lots of trees, though, so there's lots of echoes. It doesn't sound like gunshots after a while. It just it sounds like noise that's indistinguish, ind- indistinguishable sure. from anything so, else. So in that case, they were they sounded like gunshots, so they were pretty close. Yeah. Right. Well, I assume there. I only have two explanations for this. Two possible explanations. One, they were riding around a big circle. They were going around the camp, so they might have been riding for a while, but they didn't get distance-wise away from the camp. Uh, the other one is that the motorcycle ride that they were on was real time. Uh, yeah, we we only saw like ten seconds, maybe not even. Maybe that was it. it. Maybe they were just like they leave on this road that's leaving the camp, and fourteen seconds after you leave the camp is the turnoff. And Daryl missed a turnoff, and he took him to this spot. He had enough time to pop a wheelie and then miss a turnoff, and that's it. I I would have think if Daryl was smart and he wanted to actually delay Rick, you kind of take the right route for a while until you go the wrong way. So it takes you some time before Rick realizes something is up. I don't think he was delaying Rick. I think he was trying to get into a fight with Rick. Uh, Or maybe purposefully get him stuck in a hole, yeah. 
Well, not I don't. I don't think the hole was Daryl's. No, I know. But you know, it's not Daryl's secret hole that he's been digging over the last couple of years. Hey, that's a good explanation, actually. <laughs> it, maybe, it actually maybe it is Daryl's secret hole. It kind of is, actually. If anyone's going to dig a secret hole, I could see him for no All reason. All right, so what do we got here for explanations for the hole? We got an exercise hole that uh, Justin was building. <laughs> uh, there was, uh, what was another one? There was another one. Uh, well, sinkhole. Sink, no, there was a, there was another explanation. It was a, it was a play hole. That's it. Okay. A, a kitty play hole. Uh, they were going to, they were planning to fill it with balls. <laughs> oh, a ball pit. That's exactly what they were building. Yeah. Or uh, somebody's sex hole. I don't know. They might have some weird predilection for sex in a hole. Uh, I wouldn't put it past, you know, people. Uh, no, definitely uh, not. But it might be Daryl's secret hole that he's digging because, uh, I don't know. Maybe he wants to trap a lot of squirrels in a very short period of time. He's uh-huh. going to throw some nuts down there and the squirrels are going to get stuck. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, it could be a zombie hole. Uh, or more likely, it's Daryl's secret hole for something. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways. Um, yeah, yes. so they were pretty close and being able to hear the gunshots down the hole means the hole was pretty close to the camp. So somebody's got to explain this hole to me. Well, I think we should try our best to move on from the hole. Uh, and just accept the fact that the motorcycle ride was also like 10 seconds long. Yeah. It, I don't, I, yeah, I think it must've been near real time. Right, right. Okay. Uh, one more email loosely related to the whole, and that comes Yay. from Ben in Tennessee. Ben writes, the scene in the last episode where Rick is pulling Daryl out of the hole is a callback to the season two, episode five scene. That episode was called Chupacabra, where Daryl is looking for Sophia. His horse gets spooked by a snake and Daryl falls down a cliff and injures himself. He begins hallucinating that Merle keeps appearing, taunting him and motivating him at the same time. Near the end, Daryl is near the top of the cliff and he imagines Merle t- talking again. Finally, Merle holds out his hand and says, come on, little brother, grab your friend Rick's hand. I love that the show keeps having scenes similar to early seasons. Callbacks. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, I forgot about that, but it's actually quite similar. Rick reaches down and says, brother, grab my hand. And it's yep. kind of the same. That's pretty cool. Good stuff. All right. Next We have an email that's not about the hole. Uh, We have Chelsea in Boston writing, I agree that Negan should chill out in the cell for at least a season, but I do hope to see him break out eventually and maybe develop a new arc for his character. One that isn't trying to save people uh, or oppose the group. We had two full seasons of that. So if Negan isn't killed off, it'd be cool to see him try to atone for his previous actions uh, or for him to see the error of his ways. Well, you know, Chelsea, I I like your thinking, but I feel like it would be a tough pill to swallow. It's never going to happen for the viewers. Tone, yeah, yeah, for the viewers to try and have Negan uh, make good and actually join the group in a friendly way. Yeah, it wouldn't make any sense for Negan to try and make good. He's not the kind of guy that uh, uh, changes his mind. Uh, no, I, I 100% agree with that. There are things they could do with him. There are storylines to explore. Um, I fully expect him to get out of that cell at some point and for things to happen. But I don't see any way that he could atone for his previous actions or see the error of his ways. It's just not in his nature, from what I know maybe, about Negan. Maybe he'll hang out with Father Gabe. 
and uh, you know find God and uh, atone for it that way. But I think we'd need to have that take place over 15 years. An awfully long time, yeah. Awfully long time, yeah. When we are in season 24, then maybe we could all swallow yeah. that. Yeah. When when this show is the cultural icon equivalent to The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> then uh, then maybe. And, and, you know, we'll be sitting here, hopefully, talking about it then, going, man, I can't believe Negan was ever, ever such a bad guy. He's so great now. Yeah, you remember way back when he was evil? You remember? Yeah, that was a crazy time. Way back on episode 403, here we are on, uh, you know, 1,280, uh, or maybe 12,080 by then. Um, wow. You know, that was that was crazy. So, uh, all right. Thank you, Chelsea, for that. We got a call now from Reese. Hi, Chris and Jason. Just bring you in for, say, a couple of things. Um, first one I wanted to say is what is up with Gabriel, man? He's so bummed out about the fact that she's leaving him and all that. When really, like, man, you need to, like, chill out, bro. Because you're getting far too attached, you know? You got noshed off, and that seems to be about as the extent of their relationship. So, bro, let it go, yeah? Let it, let it go, bro. So, uh, Father Gabe, Jason, uh, I was saying before that I'm not super into that storyline right now, and it just feels like they're seeding in something that's coming later, and I'm... I'm I'm anxious for what's going on now, not what's to come. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that, but, um, you know, maybe Father Gabe does just kind of need to let it go. He 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 barely knows Jadis slash Anne. That being said, it has been like a year and a half, so maybe they've had a chance to really bond, and that's why oh, he's so... Oh, but they just got together, right? Like, it just happened. Did it, or have they been hanging out together for a long time? I don't know if it's been like he just told her that, you know, it's not forbidden in his uh, his line of work to have uh, relations relations. Yeah. So, no, the relationship is new. I think that they probably knew each other. and been, Obviously, they knew each other, but uh, uh, it's not like this thing has been going on for a while. No, the the romantic or, you know, nighttime BJ relation is new. But they could have been hanging out or been on watch together for a while and gotten to know each other. Yeah, isn't that that's true? Isn't that something? That's worth something, isn't it? That's yeah, that's worth that's worth something. But <laughs> I don't know, Father Gabe. He's never really, I've never really got the hang of Father Gabe. No, I'm a hundred percent with you. He's never <sighs> been near the top of my favorite list of favorite characters on the show. That's for sure. Well, here's the weird thing. Janus, Jadis was quirky. Mm-hmm. She had the weird Spock haircut. She talked in weird tones. She lived in a garbage can. She was like Oscar the Grouch. No, no, no. Uh, she lived in a garbage dump in a very immaculate storage container, remember? Right. Well, you know, Oscar the Grouch, when you go down in this garbage can, there's a whole complex down there. Like, it's not just him standing in a garbage can. You know that, right? Well, I would assume so. No one just stands in a garbage can. Yeah. I saw an episode of Sesame Street where somebody went down there. In in his garbage can and into his house. Uh, so, you know, the garbage can is just a facade. Is that true, right? too? Someone actually goes in the garbage can? Yeah. Someone wow. goes down there. I think they rummage around and stuff. They don't show it. Oh. Because it's Sesame Street, right? They just, it was audio only. Got it. But, uh, you know, Oscar the Grouch, is, uh, he's got a whole thing going on down there. And so, yes, I do think it was like Oscar the Grouch. The facade was garbage, but the container was Ikea. Mm-hmm. 
Very. Okay, anyway, Jadis was really weird, right? She was really odd. Yep. And she became not odd. And I think she's a very interesting character now. And I'm kind of sorry if she is gone from the show. I would agree. I hope that it's, that's not the case. I would agree with that. I think Jadis has become an interesting character more so than before. Or if, if Jadis was interesting before, it grew tiring quickly. You know what I mean? Like we, I grew tired of it fast. Now she actually is more interesting in a way. I don't think she's gone. I mean, she's, she's left. I'm pretty sure she's not just going to disappear. Um, but you know, what Reese is saying is that, you know, they've, they've kind of just got together and let it go. You know, she tried to do something pretty bad to you. She hit you with a rock and then almost put a zombie in your face. So, um, you know, move on. Maybe she's not so into you as it might seem. (laughs) I don't know. You know? I don't know. I had a girlfriend in high school that I I actually knew in, uh, we met in grade eight. The first day I met her, we were uh, after school in the middle of the winter. Everybody was playing in the yard. I accidentally swung my fist and gave her a bloody nose. Like, it was a complete accident. I didn't mean to hit anybody. It wasn't, uh, there was no violence involved whatsoever. It just, something happened. There was a melee of some kind. People were spinning and doing, it was great. What do you do? You're, you're a moron. But she got a bloody nose. And then years later, we uh, we dated for a long time. <laughs> so you just got off to a, a rough start. It just got, you know, shit happens. Mm-hmm. You know, every once in a while, if you, uh, you, you get hit by a rock, sometimes mm-hmm. you can get past that. Sure. I don't think there was very much accidental about the way Jadis hit Gabe with the rock, but okay. I, so yeah, I take your point. Domestic violence is uh, is a scourge, and it shouldn't be tolerated. No, but uh, I, you know, it depends depends on motivation. Like maybe I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I think they can get past that, but maybe if they can't get past it, I'd rather see Father Gabe leave the show than Jadis. Yeah, personally, I, at the end of the day, I'm I'm with you there. I think I I feel like she's got more potential at this point than than he does. So uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, and then there was the one time I threw this rock. Like I we were I was we were playing in a yard, uh, and I threw this rock, and my brother after I threw the rock walked into the rock. <laughs> and well, he got a big cut on under his eye. Yeah, you didn't throw it at him. He he walked I did in. Did not. I had a hard time convincing my parents and him that I was not throwing a rock at my brother. <laughs> I was just throwing a rock. Yes, it was ill-advised to throw a rock in a direction where somebody could possibly get hurt. I learned that lesson very well, but I did not intend to hit him with that rock. But I, he he walked into the rock. Of course, yeah. It happens, man. I once hit my cousin square in the forehead with a broken canoe paddle completely by accident. And right. uh, I, that traumatized me. I thought I killed her. I was 10, maybe. Yeah. No, maybe 12. And she's four years younger. So I think she was probably about eight at the time. Seven or eight anyways. And my, I, we wanted to play baseball and my other cousin, uh, got a ball and we didn't have a bat. So I picked up a broken canoe paddle. I'm like, this'll work. And I swung and I didn't realize she was behind me. And on the follow through with the paddle, I cracked her right in the forehead. And, uh, yeah, I'm traumatized to this day about it because of her scream and, you know, the way all the adults came running outside and stuff like that. So Shit happens. She okay? She's fine. Yeah, she's good now. Yeah. Uh, you know, she she had a welt on her forehead and a big cut, but it got better. And did she did she forgive you? She did. Yeah. Yeah. Her and, nice. I, her, her and I became very close for many many years. Yeah. Now she okay. lives. So in, she probably have forgiven you more than you have. Uh, than myself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. 100%. She probably doesn't think about it, but it comes to mind for me a couple times a year for some reason because huh. it was so traumatizing. And I was going to say she now lives in Sweden, is married, and has two uh, wonderful kids. So everything ah. worked out. Swedish kids. <laughs> That's right. Well, half Swedish. If you're going to have kids, have Swedish kids. That's what I always say. <laughs> this is good. Uh, <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> uh, all right. Finally here. Um, actually, I wanted to talk about one more thing relating to Surely. Father Gabe okay. and Jadis and the, the A and the B and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Um, have we, have we thought any more about what A's and B's mean, not just a classification system, but could it mean something like, um, uh, bitten or not bitten or, you know, zombie or not zombie, that kind of thing, because her leaning that zombie down over him, it seemed like she was going to let that zombie take a, take a bite out of his nose and, yeah. Is that what A and B means? Like these people are looking for people that are for some reason already bit or on their way to becoming a zombie? Any possibility? Some kind of, it is a possibility. I mean, if they have a helicopter, that means they need rapid transportation. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're getting people that, I don't know why they would want people that were bit, but not zombies yet. Like, why not just take people and then, you know, introduce a bite? Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, maybe there's moral grounds for them, uh, not wanting to kill people. Maybe they only, you know, only take people that have already been bitten regardless of whether, uh, no, sorry, without it being malicious. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you happen to get, you know, bitten, if you know somebody who's been bitten, give us a call. We're going to fly right over there, grab that person, take them back to our lab and, uh, try some shit. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Like. She's talking about A and B, and then she does this. So, I mean, I was thinking, is there more to this than her just wanting to kill Father Gabe? Because it doesn't feel like there's any reason for her to to kill him by zombie, death by zombie. So was she doing something else? Was she trying to frighten him? I don't know. I got the impression that she at first really wanted to let that zombie take a chunk out of him and then changed her mind based on what he was saying. But was there more to it? I'm not sure. I'm just coming up with, with ideas. It could be. It could very well be. It could be the uh, the the you know the people with the helicopter have a moral imperative not to have uh, people uh, purposefully bitten to perform their experiments. They have uh, they say no, we're never never going to do that. But then they hire all these third party organizations to supply them with people that have already been bitten in quotes. Mm-hmm. And these third party organizations have incentive to provide them to this this group, the people with the helicopter. So maybe she as an or uh, you know a leader of one of these third party organizations has been getting people to be bitten like she did with Rick with that friggin' zombie uh, pit thing, uh, you know, trying to introduce some people from being bitten. If, if she can find somebody that happens to get bitten uh, on purpose or by accident, she can use that to get whatever they supply, like extra, you know, Tostitos or something like that. Maybe they just have a huge <laughs> Tostitos supply and they're doling them out or Doritos, those Cool Ranch Doritos. Oh, man. Yeah, that... You know, if the only way to get those was to uh, do something, you know, extremely amoral, you know, it'd be a tough call. You might think about it. That's all, that's, that's all I'm saying is it'd be a tough call. <laughs> Pretty tasty Doritos. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, 
uh, that you know that's a possible explanation. And if she is looking f- to get out of there, they want to you know they want an A or a B. She's saying, well, you're going to have to be bitten so that uh, they can maintain their moral uh, superiority by not doing it themselves. But I need to have a bitten person in order to get what they need, what they, what they have. I mean, Doritos, transportation, what have you. The word bite starts with B. It does. (laughs) So, and the word A, the the letter A could mean. Asshole. After bite? Nah, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, AM is after meridian or no post meridian. AM is. Anti-meridian or something. And anti-meridian. So maybe A is for, uh, you know, pre-bite. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, B is. Post bite. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure. I just think there's there's possibly an explanation here that we haven't really come up with yet. So I'm trying to think outside the box a little bit. But yeah. Uh, any in either well, case, back to Reese's call. Uh, I think maybe Father Gabe does need to just let it go because she seems to be gone, and he could try something, try to find another girlfriend now. Ah, he's not gonna let it go. I know that. Come on, he's too sexy for his love. His love, love is gonna leave him. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't matter who his love is. Right? Said Fred didn't say who that was. That's just the way it is. He's too sexy for his love. That's it. That's incredible. Doesn't matter who it is. No, that's right. How many times it happens. <laughs> there you go. All right. He's who, also too sexy for his shirt. I don't know if you know that. That part I knew. Yes, that yeah, part okay. is very clear. Who's reading this last one here? <laughs> Me. It's Vicky from Essex, UK. The pearl necklace reference is Gabe's organ-playing love interest for, from his congregation that he killed by locking them out of the church. In fact, we actually see that female zombie, and I'm sure she looks similar to the one Anne used. All right, so was it a purposeful callback? Uh, I mean, was it like an in-show thing somehow where maybe Gabe had talked about this woman that wore a pearl necklace and so she found a zombie that had one, or was it just a callback for the viewers? I don't know. All right, well, my other question is, do you always say necklace or do you say necklace? What, What did I say? Whatever I said in this email is what I always say. And that's weird because you said necklace. Did I? Yeah, I think so. I'll I'll check the <laughs> well, tape. I, later. I have no idea. <laughs> All right, it's weird. But anyways. no, I don't. All I have no memory of what I said. So it could be necklace. It could be necklace. I could use them interchangeably, and not even know it. Yeah, I still am going to use the word obligate from now on. <laughs> Good, <laughs> the obligate, the obligate. Good. All right. Well, I was just wondering, but uh, neat little callback there. Something. Another thing I didn't pick up on with the pearl necklace. So thank you, Vicky, for that. (laughs) All right. And thank you to everyone who wrote or called in this week. Lots to talk about um, and uh, lots to come on The Walking Dead, I am sure. So thanks again to everyone for sending in your feedback. It's always wonderful to read it and uh, just think about it and read it here on the podcast, too. Uh, and again, I know a lot of you wrote in about, you know, what's to come and theories about going, what's happening with Rick and so on and so on. Um, and I think we'll get to all that, but trying to stay as spoiler free as possible for now. So our next podcast will be next week, and that is going to be about season nine, episode five, the title of which is What Comes After. So if you want to do a title read, make sure you record that, send it in to us. And as always, I'll play as many of those as I can. That's what comes after this Sunday. 
on AMC and will be recording on Tuesday night. So get those in before then. And otherwise, uh, if you'd like to send in additional feedback or comments, you can do that to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or go to the website, click on send voicemail and record a message there. Hopefully that thing works a little better than it has been lately. Um, or if there's an alternative on the internet to the, the speak pipe service for that, I'm going to look into it and see if we can find something better. Um, find us on Twitter at talking dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. Um, big things to come. So, uh, we got lots to look forward to, but anyways, until next week, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.